We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe, sometimes giving news, sometimes make you laugh, and most times we go deep. I just spit on the mic because I felt like it. No, because it was an accident. And today, I'm joined by Cosmo Mom 9 Rachel Burt, Sharon D's in the chat. What else do you freaking need? Oh, me, David Cameo. That's right. I, I'm here too. <laughs> We're going to be recapping... The Walking Dead World Beyond's fourth episode, titled The Wrong End of a Telescope. Yep. Wouldn't it be yeah. funny if I took notes for fear instead of World Beyond? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dave, Dave, uh, uh, spoiler what? alert. <laughs> I did the wrong show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so first question, question I have to ask is, uh, have any of you watched Fear the Walking Dead's latest episode on AMC Premiere? I have not yet. Me neither. Sharon, do you, oh, finally, you, got, oh, you finally got to it. she did. All right. Well, here... So here's the thing. AMC decided to air <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead's latest episode, uh, the third one, called Alaska, at 3, uh -huh. 3 a.m. Eastern Time, so like midnight Pacific, instead of <laughs> the last few weeks where it's been midnight Eastern Time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about that, but Sharon D has a ton. So if you want to check out her comments, <laughs> <laughs> head over to at Blazy Gardner. On Twitter was it a, and was it a mistake? Do you think? Like they put the wrong time in or wrong uh, time zone? <laughs> Might have, maybe I, it was a mistake. I don't know. All I know, <laughs> the only defense that I've seen, I I, I I don't actually remember who it was from, was that oh that was only supposed to be for uh, the first two weeks, but like with no real time for this week. So it's like okay, when do we tune in? So I don't know. Exactly. Sharon D says there is no explanation after many, many rude, rude emails. No, I'm kidding. After many angry emails, <laughs> which I saw some of the screenshots too. Like, yeah. And, and it's, and there is, look, Sharon D's totally valid. Like, okay, listen, we're paying, we're paying a certain amount to get these episodes in advance, commercial free, a ton of shows, not just, obviously not just Fear the Walking Dead, obviously not the walking, just the Walking Dead or Walking to the World Beyond. But the decision to do that is motivated by you getting the episode, you know, in advance. Like now, it's like wait, at three a.m. you're getting the episode merely. What is it? Twelve plus five. So, yeah. So there's 18 like uh, hours. eighteen hours in advance. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it just seem, just doesn't seem right. No. Twelve plus five, actually nineteen hours, but whatever. Who's counting? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Sharon, do correct me, is that even when it actually came out at three o one a.m., it just didn't work in some markets. Oh, it, no. worked for, it definitely worked for some, but not for everybody. I have nothing to say about it, though. I have not. I don't really have much to say about it. If I watch Fear early, it's it's usually like a few hours early on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it during the day or something like that. Mm -hmm. oh, sometimes I'll be up at three or one, three, <laughs> whatever, three or one a.m. Um, uh -huh. and, and I was definitely around. Well, I wasn't kind of around last night, but I was the last few nights, and I did watch it after midnight. You know, whether it's me passing out and waking up and going, oh, I guess I'll watch it now. This way, when I take notes, I can just sit down and take notes the next time I watch it. Might be a totally different experience to watch something like that at three in the morning, too. Right? Yeah. Like, kind of creepy. It definitely <laughs> is. I'll say that right up front. Because some of the, I think the last time I watched it was around, like, 2, 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Charity asked for a phone number to speak to someone, and they replied that they don't offer phone support. With good not. reason. <laughs> well, there'd probably be a I, lot of people yelling at them. Yeah. They really do need some sort of support infrastructure. Because, I mean, I've I, in the past, I've had issues with uh, playback on mobile devices. Oh. Do you know what I mean? 
So, yeah. And I mean, they should at least have like a chat support, like a 24 seven chat thing. Right. Like I'm comfortable with those. Yeah. Or, or I don't know. I mean, I, I would be fine with just email support if it was adequate. And especially if they know that there's, if they know there's, you know what, they should be using their social portals, not just to pump up different series, but they could issue like tweets regarding some of the things that they may, may be encountering or to give people at least advance notice of when an episode's coming out. That's really helpful. And that's what, that's yeah. what things like that should be used for, not just to pump up and promote. All right. So the first thing I want to bring up is the, the critics reaction versus the fan reaction. And it's going to dovetail into what your impressions are, but the critics you know, Kirsten Akuna, even not as much Sarah Beth Pollock. She is a major booster for the show. But uh, Julian Cannon, Sonia Arena, definitely. They they all said that the episode just was a stinker. It was a plopper. It was a floater. You know, what? just wouldn't just wouldn't flush. And you know, wow. until the until the stinger part, like oh, just don't don't watch the whole thing and just head to the stinger. And this is something we talked about. I think Sharon D and I talked about this. I can't remember who exactly I was speaking to, and um. Yeah, and I and you and me both. I obviously judging by your reaction. Sharon's comment is actually accurate. Uh, somebody somebody said it's so bad. Alicia and Strand should have burned it. Wow. Um, but but she loved it. Um, and so like we all we all seem to like it. And and you know the more and more people that got a chance to watch it over the weekend, you know Thursday till now or whatever it is. But um, and when by the time this comes out, you'll all have watched it. You know those of you tuning in. And I kind of want to know what you guys think in the comments, but, or, you know, obviously in the chat when we premiere it, but, uh, I'm trying to figure out why. And I mean, obviously this episode does have some, I don't know. It is a bit of a slow episode. They're, they're talking about certain themes. Not a lot is actually revealed in terms of, you know, what's going on, what will happen, how it's going down. Uh, and you don't really get as much of, of those Easter eggs that we were getting in the first few episodes, you know, the kind of like, Oh, is the bog fear the walking dead is oh. Isabel when the helicopter is Isabel Kublik's daughter and all this stuff, <laughs> which, you know, okay, great. Awesome. And this is something we kind of talked about when it came to certain walking dead watchers that will only watch the walking dead over and over again. Don't even watch great movies. They'll maybe watch a horror movie every now and again. You meet them, you know them. They don't give a shit about anything but the walking dead. And I could be wrong, but I feel like some of that plays into their criticism that maybe they're just watching this for tie-ins to the the TWD movie with Rick and, and The Walking Dead as a whole. Like, they just want the tie-ins. They don't really care about the show. I don't know. I'm not going to cast any aspersions. I can maybe see where they're coming from a little bit just by way of saying, hey, it's not a really in-depth episode. They come across the school and you know they get into situations and not a lot is revealed there's some action near the end but i guess maybe this is something they didn't really want to sign up for because they do kind of touch upon some of these teenage themes you know mm -hmm. what it must must have been like for these people in high school and you know what we have now versus what we lost all that stuff oh. so i can maybe see where they're coming from maybe they were expecting more action i was thinking maybe they were i don't know still mad at the kids for not taking down walkers the way they should or the way they could yeah, well, yeah i mean they keep bringing up um they, and in fact in a mocking way they keep bringing up what felix says in, in his classrooms iris is imitating felix and he goes and she goes in the end it's all about avoidance keeping distance is the difference between life and death <laughs> yes uh, so yeah and then um Iris runs off with Silas and, and Elton and Felix goes, Elton, you're with me. And he goes, it would be my honor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree though. 
I don't know why people are like, and I see this on Reddit too, like, oh, why aren't they fighting the walkers? And some people said like the walker kills are more sanitized. I'm like, mm, I don't know about after this episode. Not very. Yeah, there's a little hum- there's a little humor. Yeah, <laughs> Elton says. definitely brings the humor. Oh, yeah. all ass. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I like Elton. I do. In addition to that, like um, Felix says, be careful to Iris, you know, Iris and Silas. And Iris goes, be careful <laughs> in his voice. And Felix in the background again, like just like the hall ass comment. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. They're talking about avoidance at that moment when that seems to be what Iris is doing to hope. I, I wasn't going to bring that up right then and there. But like, yes, um, hope does look behind her as Iris and Silas go away. And she goes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's all of it, yeah, it's all about avoidance. avoidance. As she wants to talk to her more, and she goes, "We could talk later, right? Okay, bye." Right. <laughs> I mean, in the apocalypse, later is never guaranteed. So yeah, <laughs> tomorrow is a day that will never come. Do you somewhat agree with what they're saying, or is there a world in which you understand why they would say that? The critics. That this was a, a terrible episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with them, but I guess I could see their point. Um, I mean, it was kind of a slower episode with, with some high points, but for the most part, it was kind of, you know, here most of the time, um, you know, the kids not quite knowing how to handle the walkers yet, but I mean, to me, that almost make, still makes sense, right? They're still trying to figure it out and all of their lives, they were taught to avoid them. So that's right. what they're doing. You know, I, I think that part makes sense. And they but- are starting to not avoid them. Sure. Sounds sure. like. I mean, I mean Iris it, and Silas were supposed to stay in the gym, and then they don't. Right. And then there's, so. the minute they're safe, they thought their safety was threatened by staying mm-hmm. in the gym, because who knows yep. what was in the grading for them? They don't know. Right. They don't know what's in the, in the grading. Felix doesn't Sounded know. Sounded like the wolf, right? Yeah. It did sound... Okay. I was actually going to ask that a little later, but it. I mean, it was, it was probably the wolf. I mean, especially when they blocked... When Hope and Huck blocked the... Shut the, the shut the yeah vent. the little gate yeah yeah um hmm. it sounds like maybe the wolf found another way around or Sharon yeah. also thought it was the wolf yeah because it did make a wolf sound so I thought so okay I wanted to I wanted to check with you I'm like I definitely heard a wolf but we I love that it. Huck finds another pair of sunglasses well actually Hope finds them and then gives them to Huck she's like yeah, the but- sunglasses so far <laughs> but i love that i love the generational gap a little bit too like the, the idea of you know oh i just feel so sorry for you yeah, in this I'm, you know like, i'm so embarrassed for you I'm right so now embarrassed for you right now <laughs> so i 100 percent had those glasses <laughs> i never did i definitely well, did. only as a gag i think like you know those party favor things you know that you get every yeah. once in a while like at a, at a bar mitzvah or something you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't wear them because I thought they were cool. Well, that's not true. That's they were not true. cool. They're, they were cool. They were cool <laughs> for a little while, right? Sure. And then afterwards, they were kind of cool, ironically, because nobody thought they were cool. And so you'd wear them because they weren't cool. And for like a little while. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. There was, I just don't understand. I don't understand what the, the like, what, what did make them cool? It, they were different. Yeah, just, right? They were different. Yeah. Charity seeing how they were, they were the shit in the in the late eighties. I mean, they were shit in the mid eighties too, um, because your parents hated them. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. that maybe that's something to say about like Huck and <laughs> because your parents hated them. They're her dad. 
kind of gets to talk about her dad a little bit being an army brat. This is, we're getting a little bit more of her story too, you know, mm -hmm. moving around. We find out also that Huck has been out in the wild for a very long time, not unlike our survivors on The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. So yeah. I kind of like that. I kind of like that we got a little bit more from her. I mean, we'll, we'll undoubtedly know why she gets this mark, or else we might wind up with one yeah. of these. You they know. wouldn't draw attention to it if we weren't going to find out about it later on, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, I accept that. So, but what are your impressions of this episode? Because I'm wondering, like, you know, first of all, like, what did you get out of this episode? Um, at the top of my list, I enjoy how much more Silas is smiling. Mm-hmm. For me, this, I mean, it's not all about Silas. I feel like I said this last time, too. Um, but it kind of is. Like, we see him, you know, getting to a little bit happier place and starting to... Um, you know, feel okay about accepting these people as his friends and that they may accept him for who he is as well. But, you know, even Huck is pointing this out. And I, Huck was very critical yeah. of him in the last episode saying, you want to tell everybody what you did or you, like, or uh, not but basically. Is that like, why you're out here? Is that why you're out yeah. here? Yeah. You want to run away from your problems? Yeah. I know what you did. Right. Um, and, but like in this episode, Huck is pointing out that like, Hey, he's smiling. Hey, Mikey, yeah. he likes it. Right. <laughs> And so, it was so sweet. I and she, loved it. And she wasn't, uh, she wasn't as critical or heavy-handed with him as before. Now, mm -hmm. one could argue that maybe she's doing that so that she can convince one more person, along with Felix, to go back to Omaha. But I could think, be. I think there's a bit of, I don't know, maybe a little empathy with that with that situation there. I don't know. That could be. That could be. She could be. Yeah, like Sharon D says. I thought she was buttering him up. Yeah, could be buttering him up to try and get him to convince the girls to go back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so I don't, I don't think that, but it's there. We have to acknowledge it, right? <laughs> so could be. I, and this is going to go to my broader point. I actually liked the the peek into Hope's last conversation with uh, Leo Bennett. I liked the whole situation there. I liked to see the interaction with uh, with Leo and her, just in general, just the idea of how he regards her, the funny way he shows how much he loves her, that sort of thing. or And yeah. how he deals with her, you know? Maybe he, you know, and he gets her to stew in her own juices as kind of like her punishment in a way. The idea that she sets off a stink bomb and then they talk about the chemical composition of that stink bomb. and Not like, just a stink bomb, a time-delayed stink bomb. A time-release, yeah. <laughs> time-release yeah. stink bomb, yeah, exactly. You know, talking about the chemical compounds and like, not, not the way I would have done it, but not, not bad. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. So there is like a little bit of mutual respect. It reminds me of what Ira said after Hope got busted for um, her distillery, right? She's like, dad would have said, it's a good, you you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the comment that, that Leah would have said about all her booze and everything. And then we kind of see it happening. Like she sets off the stink bomb and then his reaction to it. It's like, yeah, he, he probably wouldn't have been too upset about her, all of her booze. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> impressed probably yeah she he's still impressed and like it's the yeah. it's kind of the word of the day with him it's like you know he says specifically because you are exceptional and charity also mm -hmm. mentions felix does a similar tactic with hope just oh, let's yeah. let's just do in the cage and he's like oh how could i forget i was a family member i could have signed you out it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, negan's uh, father not the father <laughs> right yeah <laughs> felix jeez yeah, yeah. callbacks anyway it's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, is like how, in some ways, we get different things. Like we as, as watchers, we identify with one of these kids more or less, or on a given episode, we'll 
somehow glom onto somebody, some one of the kids' stories, or it could be Felix, could be Huck, could be any one of these kids, and then we'll all get something different out of it. And that's something I wanted to note, too, because I'm finding that as we go through these episodes, we all feel either differently about the different things that these kids do, or we'll get really emotional about some of the things that happen, but in different ways. And, and I kind of love how different the reaction is between person to person. Like, okay, take for example, like, did, what did you feel? Did you feel, because I got really, I got a little bit emotional when, when it came to the hope stuff, but how did you feel about it? Were you just more eyes open, informative? Like, yeah, you know, just trying to take in all the information. I don't know that it, I don't know. It didn't really, that part didn't really make me emotional. I, I got more emotional during the Iris and Silas scenes. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's what Sharon's saying is also like uh, I cried in the ballroom scene. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that was that was really sweet. I loved, um, I loved all the graphics. I mean, I loved how they showed us uh, part of the past, but did it in sort of a you know sketchy way, like like what's in Iris's mind. Right. And then again, the ballroom scene, like we see, you know, the the past returns all around them, but it's still sort of sketchy and like I just I thought it was really I thought it was really beautiful. I what, did. Yeah, well, yeah, what or Iris what Iris must have imagined the past was or the stance was, ballroom right. gowns and all that stuff. Right, right. And Sharon yeah. is sad about uh them showing us or Iris showing us what we as humans lost through the eyes of people who never had a chance to live it. Yeah. No, but they got a chance to live it. But the people, I mean, they, it, well, let's just drill down on it a little bit. It's not that they didn't get a chance to live it. They did. And our, our people, our Silas, Elton, Huck, whatever, all these people. And they, I don't think that I, do you think there are dances? Cause I wonder if there are dances back in campus colony. Silas alludes to that. I don't, I'm not sure that there, <clears throat> well, there might be, but maybe Iris never attended them because of, you know, she was so busy focusing on the future. Maybe she just didn't attend them. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what I was thinking. Although, um, when they do see the sign for the Sadie Hawkins dance, uh, they both don't know what that's about. Maybe she went right. to school here. Right? I know. That was so sweet. Well, here's I'm like, the... I both think she's a student. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because I had never attended one. In fact, I've never attended any dances. Any formal dances? Any formal dances. No? No. Well, the Sadie I Hawkins is especially special because this is the one formal dance in high school where the girls ask the, the boys out. out. I do know that. I watched a lot of TV. Just which, never, i never been to one. Which I thought was perfect for this, right? Because it's all about sort of Iris sort of drawing out Silas and sort of she's kind of taking the lead here in the in these scenes and you know where are they at the sadie hawkins dance where the female is supposed to be doing the decision making and stuff so i i thought that was they could have picked any formal dance and they chose sadie hawkins so right. i thought it was very relevant to the scene right yeah and even when they try to dance to do the ballroom dance silas does attempt to lead and iris is just like no 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 i'll take over from here <laughs> right. she's the one who asks them has asks him to dance to begin with ironically right mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and actually, Sharon D is actually giving us some of the history. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, it's technically where bachelors are chased <laughs> by women who want to be married. Uh, Read the next one. And then St. Christ <laughs> Christopher is the patron saint of bachelors. So we're taking, <laughs> taking a Fear of the Walking Dead reference and bringing it back. Bringing it back. Yeah, and you know what? The truth is, is that this was supposed to air right around the time the Fear of the Walking Dead came out. Actually, technically, I think... 
The Walking Dead World Beyond was supposed to air, and then right after that, Fear the Walking Dead was supposed to come out with its with its eight episodes. But the fact that they're running side by side, interesting to me. Now we're getting now we're getting these references directly. Mm-hmm. I know. I wondered how that was gonna how they were gonna space all these new shows out, but simultaneously works. Yeah, it doesn't work for us. <laughs> and we make do. Uh, I do anyway. I, yeah. I I have so much less work to do than you do, though. Yeah. So I should just shut up. Yeah, you should just shut up. <laughs> shut up God damn it! I'm like it's easy. <laughs> it's so not. Uh, yeah, God, I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> um. But no, I, yeah, just so everybody else knows, you know, it's been a pretty rough few weeks, uh, three weeks, right? I think it's been since The Walking Dead finally came back. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Maybe four uh, Well, it's I think bit- maybe maybe we're entering the fourth, yeah. So okay. it, it's just doing, recording two episodes a week means setting aside two different nights. Because to do one night recording both is a little bit brutal. We have to have all the notes, you know, laid out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes the editing. Because even recording once a night, two nights out of the week, then we have to start cutting down these episodes, <clears throat> which means two nights, you know, each per episode, because we all have day jobs. It's me. Uh, I don't. I just, I, I homeschool my son. Well, I guess that's kind of a job. It, it is. I mean, it's, you literally traded one for the other. And then, but even then, do you know how to edit stuff? No. 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 <laughs> and would you sit down grinding out? No. You know. I told I told Eric. Eric is the the tech person. When I ordered his Blackstone griddle, mm-hmm. I put it together. I'm I'm the handyman in this house. You give me a project, and I will put it together. I will build you something from scratch. But don't ask me to use the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Eric's job. Yeah, I mean, just just so everybody knows, like I just uh, why I, I don't really know about this stuff. I mean, other than television, is because you know I grew up switching schools here and there, and every year would be a different school until like around junior high and then high school, you know, started to stabilize out and moved to New York, moved back to New York. I was born in New York. Yeah. And by then I was going to um, like Jewish schools and mm-hmm. we didn't really, te- we didn't really have dances. Although funny enough, looking back at our old yearbooks, you know, at er- in early years, like in the fifties, sixties, seventies, et cetera, like a lot of, a lot the kids did have dances mm-hmm. and, it, and just at some point the school got just a little bit more religious and so they stopped doing that. So, you know, just my luck, let's say, you know, 20 years later when they stopped doing that. Right. Yeah. I just, we just didn't do it. The only thing that we, I ever attended was, a was my high school prom, which we had to throw ourselves, you know, as seniors, yeah. that senior prom. That was it. And we didn't have homecoming. We didn't have any of that stuff. No, I've yeah. never, I've never been, I don't even know what homecoming is, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really don't know. I look at movies and I'm like, eh, is it like the beginning of the year and then all the alumni come back? Or, I don't know. I, I mean, I've I've been to Homecoming, but if somebody asked me to like define it, I I couldn't either. I just know it's it's Homecoming. You, it's like I don't is, know is it where like you celebrate town? your school, where you like celebrate your school, and like I don't know. There's like a, a court. There's Homecoming Queen and King and. Oh gosh. It's like, it's like the first formal dance of the year of okay. the school year. Okay, okay. So I don't how, know why I use quotes. <laughs> how do they how do they determine in, is homecoming king and queen? Are they like do they have the student to, body votes on it? It can it be somebody that has graduated already or is it somebody no. that has to be in no. the school? Okay. You have yeah, you have to how attend you, the school. But how do you do that so close to the school year? You just fuck it, you know? <laughs> well, school usually starts in September and yeah. then homecoming is usually the end of October. 
So you've got almost two months of school in before you start nominating people for these positions. I see. I see. And Sharon is talking about like how Sadie Hawkins dances are traditionally on November 13th. So, you know, does that take the fall? Oh, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's when it all went down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great idea of how, and you know, one can argue that that could be the fall, but kind of like the pandemic, it didn't really hit all the states, the, our current pandemic. I mm-hmm. mean, it didn't really hit some, it didn't even hit like, um, let's say, by the way, Walker Wynn, it didn't hit her target <laughs> until the, where she works in, oh. um, in Missouri until now. So like, really? yeah, she hasn't had to worry about it. I mean, you know, they masked up all that stuff. They, you know, watching other states fall, <laughs> they got a chance to kind of equip themselves and you know, experience their mask mask fatigue and then going, eh, I don't want to do it anymore, but yet they still have to do it. So, no. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just... But that could date the fall, at least for Nebraska, maybe. So, okay, so the scene uh, with Felix and Elton, and they discover the fresh smear of blood, right? right. And then okay. they walk off, and we see that walker crawling out of the room, and then all of a sudden he's pulled back in. Right. What? What did you think? Like, what could that possibly this was before we knew what it was right but in that moment like what were you thinking <laughs> well okay let's i'm gonna be honest i saw obviously i saw the previews so that I, okay. and, oh and do you remember when i was calling out what the what the oh no, for the trailer it was the trailer right the, that had the wolf howling. The, tra- the trailer did have the wolf but here's okay. the, here's the interesting thing which is very very interesting do you remember when i was calling out the scenes from next week or actually not technically the scenes from next week, but like it was episode one of Fear, Fear the Walking Dead for season six. And it was like these scenes, that, like the look ahead into, into at least the first eight episodes, maybe more. Okay. And we were rattling off all the things that were happening, what people said during the over, you know, yeah. na- narration and all that. Yeah. One of the scenes for a short, brief second was of a wolf also, okay. which is weird. Yeah. Because now we're in the Walking Dead world beyond and now we're talking about a wolf. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I got my wires crossed or if I saw it in the next week, next week episode from The Walking Dead World Beyond the, from last week or whatever it was. But I knew that there was a wolf for some reason. Okay. I, All right. Again, wires crossed. You had maybe. It in your brain then. Yeah. So I thought I already kind of knew what it was, which is, you know, they could have played a little bit more with, again, this is the same classic thing that AMC likes to do or whatever. They don't like to keep people in suspense. They will spoil their shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Or I could be wrong, and I took the image I had of the Fear of the Walking Dead trailer, or Look Ahead, and just transposed it onto Walking Dead World Beyond. But I think there's a weird irony in that. Like, okay, we're dealing with wolves here and there. We're dealing with feral animals or whatever. Yeah, you might just be smarter than the average bear. You figured it out. Or I'm just like, the days and the shows are just melding together, and I don't (laughs) know what's going on, but somehow I figured it out. Uh, But either way, the thing that we're not looking at and this, I noted this on second watch was, have you ever seen a walker scurrying away from anything? From anything. Yeah. No, that, that is what creeped me out the most about that scene. Cause at first I thought, um, okay, maybe there's like a few people in there and they're sort of spying on, maybe people live in this school and they hear people coming in. And so they're just sort of spying on them to see who these intruders are. Right. Cause you and don't know what's that- going on, right? Exactly. I'm I'm trying to think of, you know, what's going on as well. So, and then we see the walker crawl out and then it's pulled back in and I'm thinking, what, what would a walker be running away from? Like, the what? answer, the answer is nothing, by the right. way, the right answer is nothing. 
Now, look, you can have a bone to pick with that. And you should. You should have a bone to pick with that. Walkers aren't scared of anything. We've seen them eat horses and all that shit. <laughs> so, right. I find that really... I find the choice of doing that very interesting. Very interesting. It's more for us than it yes. is for reality. I agree. I think they put that in there because it was extra creepy. Right. It was just... Like the hand. Scary. Yeah. Zombie yeah. hand peeking out from the muck. You yes. Know? It's, I agree. I mean, they're really making some... I, I don't want to say interesting choices or bold choices, but they're ma they're really, really going out on a limb with what we're willing to accept. Yeah. In a weird yeah. way. Somebody's making some bold choices. I'm so say it fine. Bold choices. Yeah, I would I would say so, because we are slipping into, you know the fantastic. Oh, yeah. Almost. I mean obviously none of this is real, but Triceratops we, horn, right, all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a certain structure that we will allow in a fictional world you know mm -hmm. in in this fictional apocalypse and this is they're starting to venture into the we can't believe that you know right so, but, but as long as they don't go so far as z nation i'm good <laughs> right well well no i mean here's the thing like i'll i know why they're doing it we rationally know that walkers aren't afraid of anything or not they're not going to run away from a feral animal we know right. that but for us to creep us out, the idea of, you know, a walker trying to scurry away and an animal bringing shows is trying to go to the creepiness of what's going on or the danger yeah. that they may be facing. Yeah. You know, and further to further the point, when they get when they go into what looks like to be the wolf's den, it is. And I, I want to say this first before I describe the scene. Um one Reddit user was basically saying how, you know, oh, the Walker, the Walker kills are sanitized. The, the, they're not as gross. And like, did you miss the fuselage scene uh, in the first episode when they're flashing back to the night the sky fell? It is right. gross. Like they're melted all along the walls of the fuselage, you know, and their, yeah. their faces are like, like, and like, and like that pile of walkers with the one that's hanging from the, the, from the, from the oxygen masks and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So supremely gross. And <laughs> walking into this, this wolf's den with this like nest made out of this weird, like, like the uh, alpha baby bird's nest of like walker parts and trees and branches and stuff like that. And then, and then this other pile of still moving around dead. I, it's, it is gross. It's not sanitized. And you know, and further on, you know, when we see Silas beat up on that one Walker when he loses his fucking mind, mm -hmm. you get to see a little bit of the aftermath, and it's like, oh, there's nothing left of his face head, <laughs> you know. Right. So they're not holding back. They're not holding back at all. And I think I think they're doing great. This is only the fourth episode. There's still a lot of gross and brutal to come <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of empty killing left yeah left to go exactly. sure these kids are figuring this out you know it's gonna take time yeah it's clunky i don't even care about that I, mean, I don't either I i'm think just it's gonna be honest i don't care about any of that i i just care see the thing is is that okay it's like the um i can't remember what the, the, the parable is but like the idea of i'll tell you the story okay the story is there, there, there was a man and his son walking down the street or, you know, walking down the road with a donkey, right? And the father puts the son on the donkey because, you know, it's a long, it's a long walk. You know, they got to go from this one town to another town. And he puts him up and he says, oh, you, 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 you go up there. You know, it's a long walk. I can handle it, blah, blah, blah. But then the son goes to the father. But yeah, but if we go into town and they see 
they see that they put you put me up there and I didn't go down and have you go up there, they're going to think I'm not respecting my father. And say, oh, so they switch places, whatever, fine. So the son is son is like ferrying the father, you know, with the with don with him on the donkey and everything like that. And then some schmuck on the side of the road goes, "Hey, why aren't you why aren't you sparing this kid? You know, this kid to walk." And he's like, "Okay." So he puts him back on the donkey, and then all they get like, they get to the town. They walk into town. The father's on the sorry, the son is on the donkey, and then. Just right before the town, there's another guy that says, that poor donkey, you've been faring him down th this whole way on, on, you know, and he, he must be tired. He has all this stuff and you're on it and whatever. So at the end of the day, they walk into town and the, the father's carrying the donkey into town while the son, <laughs> while the son is just keeping, keeping the donkey on his back. The fucking part of this parable is that, like, if, if they would have had these kids mowing down walkers right from the start, that, that would be the other criticism. I don't believe these people have never killed walkers before you know, are going to be able to do it. And so, yes. like, what do you want? What do you fucking want? <laughs> to complain. That's the correct answer. Go fuck yourselves. People are not happy unless they can complain. It could be perfect from beginning to end, and they will find something to bitch about. Honestly, find another show. Thank you. Sharon D agrees with me. They want to complain. I mean, this is, I don't often say find another show, but it's just like, if you want, you know, Walking Dead, empty killing ninjas right out of the gate. Just watch the Felix and Huck show. It's this new. I was just gonna, yeah, it's a, Felix is doing that for us. It's a new spinoff, you yeah. know, of, of the Walking Dead world. That's a whole second season. All the kids die, and Felix and Huck go on to their own show, their Maybe. own their own mini series. Maybe exactly. There you go. And we need a Tom, <laughs> a Tom and Huck. We just forget it. Oh what? my! My middle name is Tom. <laughs> you know, this is us saying okay this is hokey but you know it sets a mood you can pick a bone with the walker running away from the wolf but i accept it because it sets the mood of like how dangerous in a situation they're in although on the back end i there is part of me that's imagining what it would be like for a walker to kind of go after the wolf like in like the real situation like the walker would be like and then the wolf keeps going and it keeps coming at it and it's right so there's nothing left of the walker Right. I can see Wolf well, holding its own. It makes me think of that scene with Shiva, too, right? I mean, she had a lot uh, more walkers around her, but she was also bigger and, you know, I don't, man, I don't know. I mean, yeah. a, a walker versus wolf? That's, a, that's like that age, that, that age old question of would you, would you take a chance fighting one 50 year old man or like, like 50 children or something like that? That's 51 year old, 51 year olds or one 50 year old? Or something like that. Oh would yeah. You, would you would you fight with? Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of yeah. like that question. Yes. Like so, yeah. and so oh. the answer is no. Um, I'd rather fight one big walker than fifty, you know, slow moving walkers. <laughs> the high school is a made up high school, by the way. It is a real name of a high school or of something else. Of of a last name, like it's spelled H V A S S Havas. I don't even know if it's spelled if it's pronounced that way. Look. I'm a, I'm a different culture, so. What is it? H H V A S S Havas High School. Oh, okay. Or Havas. Hmm. Um, I didn't I didn't see that anywhere. Where did you see the name of the school? I paused at just the right moment. Was it on the front of the building or in down one of the halls? Yeah, no, it was it was in the front of the building with a placard. Oh, okay. Like a, like a weird and you know estimated mm -hmm. 1951. And I was actually trying to tie mm -hmm. in the year also to something anything significant, but. Um, 
No, I couldn't. The only th- the closest thing I could find is like a the real Night of the Living Dead. This book written by a random dude in 2009 mm-hmm. that that takes place in 1951, and it's all about the a survivor's account, quote unquote. It's a book of fiction mm-hmm. of someone who uh, experiences the, a real light, Night of the Living Dead uh, in a hospital in the sanitarium ward. And I don't know. It, it apparently got terrible reviews because it's one of those self-publishing. <laughs> books you know yeah 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 sharon i I jotted that down too their mascot is the hawks you see it plastered on the wall in the gym uh i did not no i did see that what do you think that means though because it's it is a made-up school so the the mascot is made up as well Mm -hmm. are we talking about like predators if i'm not mistaken don't hawks eat um other birds as well i want to say that they're carrying a little bit too you know what we just Silas and I just learned about producers and consumers and primary consumers and secondary consumers and tertiary consumers and something with a D and something else. We learned about all of this and hawks were one of the things. I believe hawks fit into the secondary consumer category, which means they eat smaller rodents who eat uh, producers, which are plants. (laughs) Oh, okay. So they they eat meat. Okay. Yes, they do eat meat, but I I don't think they eat other birds i I could be totally wrong i think hawks are more like you know mice um rodents more like small rodents even a small cat my cat sunny got picked up by a a hawk when i was young well when he was younger but he was a scrapper so he beat the shit out of that hawk and the hawk dropped him of course he had had a hole in the side of his head for the rest of his life we talk we talk about like uh, in because because new jersey has hawks and and there have been cases where like you know they'll go for babies and shit too right absolutely so, so, but like when I say carrion, carrion are like specifically they eat their own uh, species or like their, their own species, not necessarily their own phenotype or whatever. But when a, when a when a species is carrion, they they do eat their own. So, um, carrion is an important food source for large carnivores and omnivores in most ecosystems. An example of carrion eaters or scavengers include vultures, condors, hawks, eagles, hyenas, Virginia's possum, Tasmanian devils, etc. So, hawks are carrion. You know? Oh, there you go. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. So I like I'll that. Eat anything, just right? like a walker. So we'll end up eating our own when we turn. Yeah, exactly. Just like <laughs> a hawk killed my chickens, just like the chicken hawk from <laughs> from what was it the uh, the old Bugs Bunny cartoons? I say, I say, I say. Oh, yeah. oh no, no, no! That was um. That's Foghorn Leghorn. The the chicken hawk was the little guy. Oh, I just want to eat. <laughs> He's like tries to eat Foghorn Leghorn. Is the little guy. The little one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked that they um, explained why the walkies weren't working. That was a nice touch to in details. I like that. Silas mm-hmm. noted that the batteries were corroded. Right. And that's why it wasn't working. Because when Felix wasn't getting uh, Silas or Iris, I'm like, oh, man, somebody's there. Someone's, like, jamming their signal, and they're not going to let. And, like, I'm like, yeah, totally going crazy. Again, this is still before we saw the wolf. Oh. So I was convinced it was people in there watching them. That is interesting. I see. The thing is, I didn't pick up on any of that, but I'm glad that you did. Like, I mean, this, again, goes to show, like, what we focus on, what we react to. I mm-hmm. I feel like there's something going on here, like, where people are taking away or experiencing this show differently for different people. They react to different things. They get emotional about other things than other people. I kind of like that. I kind of like that you can walk away from an episode with a different reaction, with a different impression, with a different, like you know, an immediate watch experience too. Now I'm finding out because I wasn't yeah. thinking that I was, I, the thing is, is like when I watched it, 
I felt like we weren't going to see anybody. Because the overall impression that I got was from this show was that there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. We got everybody in Campus Colony. You basically <laughs> killed everybody from 200 miles because they were all in Campus Colony. 9,671 souls. We had to have gotten all of them. This is my impression. Again, this is my thought process, right? And when they mm -hmm. go out there, nothing, right? Mm. In fact, there's so much nothing that there may be a lot of some things that were left behind as people were, were um, migrating to Campus Colony after all these years. You know, I don't know how many kids were born, you know, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? So this is so walking into this episode, just like all the previous episodes, I'm thinking, okay, they're not going to encounter people. And I was wondering to myself, when, when at some point were they going to encounter people, other people? Mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, is that going to happen? I wonder. And if it does, who? And what kind of people? Because that is going to be the big tell. Like, it's one thing if they encounter walkers, which I completely expect. But as we all know, in the Walking Dead universe, the Walking Dead are more the people than right. they are walkers, empties, rotters, whatever they're going to be called. <laughs> so this is the real adversary, you know, essentially, or has been classically the adversary. How shitty it is out here. People yep. suck. People suck, Hope says. That's right. She's got it right. Um, oh, and Sharon D says, okay, two things. I, I thought it was people too, you know, too, but I didn't think they were jamming the walkies. But so she had oh, this okay. impression that people were there as well. I don't know why I didn't. I really don't know why I didn't. Well, you had the wolf in your head, though. I think, I think having that information back here blocks you know, out yeah. the idea of other people. Well, mm -hmm. especially if a wolf's in there. <laughs> I, don't many, right. I don't think many people would survive. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, if the wolf survives, then the people don't. And if the people right. survive, the wolf doesn't. So, um, right. But she said she noticed something about the title, The Wrong End of a Telescope. L looking through the wrong end of a telescope, Sharon D says, is a metaphor for doing something to solve a problem, but doing it in a way that makes the problem worse. Which oh, is what everyone okay. did by the end of the episode. Okay. All right. I was thinking about it differently, but that actually kind of makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Sharon, Sharon D. <laughs> Yeah, you make a lot of sense. That definitely makes more sense. <laughs> I, I, I always think, okay, the idea of looking through a telescope is to kind of look at something that is far away. But when you look at the wrong end, you basically, yeah. objects are closer than they appear sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. And I was thinking like, Me too. and essentially makes things smaller, you know, or like maybe people are minimizing their problems or maybe people are minimizing how they feel, or maybe people are minimizing, you know, which could lead to what Sharon D says, because you're not looking at the thing in front of you, you know, or, or, or not seeing that it's there, you could be making it worse. Things like um, Hope honestly and earnestly reaching out to Iris, saying, can we talk a little bit more? We haven't since we left, mm -hmm. you know? And then Iris going, mm, no, goodbye. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you think Iris is, is a little bit angry with Hope and that's why she doesn't want to talk to her yet? I think she's enamored with this yearbook. I'll be honest. Like, there's something, there's okay. something calling at her, you know, gnawing at her, saying, "This is what you missed out on. This is all the shit you missed out on." So you see that a lot with Silas and Iris in the gymnasium, and Iris is just flirting around, not with Silas per se, but she's just flirting around with the idea of, you know, what would have been like to be at a dance, you know, taking the um, taffeta, I think it is, um, right? Uh, what would you call that material? Um. Tooling? I, tooling, tooling, thank you. The tooling, just mm -hmm. wrapping it around her, the red, the, the white, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, just dancing around to Silas's old-timey music. Right. And, you know, as, as Sharon is edging me on to, to discuss, I, yeah. 
I know. Um, I do have that. Yeah. She's looking at most likely twos. In, and we focus in this episode specifically on this one student yeah. called Sabina James, who yeah. happens to have like fuchsia. Hair. Yeah, yeah. Like fuchsia, hot pink hair, which I had at one point, by the way. Me too. Uh, in school, uh, which I shouldn't have. But, oh. and yet, I, I, and you know, and I got in trouble for it. And then I went to graduation with it. Got in even more trouble? No. <laughs> Everybody, everybody was told I did everything I wasn't supposed to do uh, at graduation. Instead of wearing dark, a dark colored suit and a white shirt, as I was told to do, I wore a light colored suit and a black shirt, fuchsia hair. <laughs> same, be the rebel. Same be color. The rebel. Yeah, because that I had a lot. I had a huge problem with my assistant principal. Yeah, and she really had it out for me. Like I, I'd done kind of like a one eighty, but then like at the last second, because it just, just like. You know, stuff that the dean would normally handle, like the, uh, mm. you know, and she got herself, she involved herself in like those matters. And she's like, you know, I'm bringing your parents in. You're going to shave your, your, your goat, goatee, like, which is growing out a little bit. And I had to shave in front of my parents. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Like she went out of her way to kind of embarrass me in front That's of everybody several times. And so I said, you know what, what is she going to do on our graduation day? Right. And, you, and you know what I did? At, you know what I did? Here's the thing. All of that aside, white suit, black shirt, graduation day. I came up at her and said, I said, thank you for everything you've done for me. I really do appreciate everything you tried to do. And do you know what she said? Blow it out your ass. She, <laughs> I, I don't remember the exact words, but she said something to the effect of, I, I, I wish you very well. Take care. Goodbye. Like, yeah. but like pointedly, my parents hated it. She was like, you were trying to, you were trying to, you know, just put everything in the past and just, you know, even wearing what I wore. You probably <laughs> you were serious, you know? No, I was being dead serious. I said, you know what? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, let's move past this. You were. <clears throat> she probably thought you were making fun of her. Yeah. No, and, and look, my parents are right behind me. You know, like, you embarrassed yeah. me in front of my parents. It's like, like where is your calculus? <laughs> like... And I, I just say, yeah, I wish you well. It was it was really great to be at school. Thank you for not giving up on me. I said that. I just said, you well, know what? And, and she was just like, oh, take care of yourself. Yeah, goodbye. Like, literally just and turned her back towards me. And, and, and I was just like, see you later. <laughs> Smell you later. Yeah. <laughs> that really gave them a bad taste in their mouth. And then my brother, you know, my brother's 10 years apart from me. So when he applied to school, this is like, the, this is the punchline. My brother applied to the same high school and did not make it. Even you have to with, apply to high school? Well, it's it was a private school. So it was oh, a okay, it was okay. a private um Jewish high school. Um So, you know, the kicker is you know, when he did that, um he he didn't get in. He had better grades than me classically in all subjects, you know? He, you know, B B plus student, A minus, and the, and even the fact that the thing was that he the grades that he had gotten was taking into a uh, uh, taking into account the fact that he got hit by a car at like in oh, the last yes. few months of school. So he had to miss the rest of the year. Jeez. Yeah. He shattered his shoulder, his arm, and he still managed to get a B plus. But the thing is he got some incompletes. So he had to complete them over the summer. Meanwhile, you still have to apply. So mm -hmm. he's trying to get a transcript in order. He's trying to get the rest of his grades in. And so that was taken into account. And when they asked, like they didn't even ask him, but like we demanded, we speak to some principal about it. And mm -hmm. It ended up being her, and we tried. They tried to explain. And, and the funny thing is, and I'll end with this: like the funny thing is, he went to the private uh, middle school that belonged to the high school. My cousin had the same experience. Oh my god! He, he applied 
to my high school. And because his name was it, Cameo, nah, no thank you. Could you believe that? Is this the that? cousin with the same first name too? No, no, his, his name is oh, Jack. Okay. Jack okay. Cameo. I'm gonna say she's probably looking at this going, no. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I, I honestly, she's probably dead. I, and if she's not dead, <laughs> she oh, wasn't man. that old. But like in my head, I'm thinking, oh, she probably died of being so miserable. Somebody probably strangled her. <laughs> no, no. I, I can easily see somebody being so miserable. It, ate, it she ate herself, kind oh. of thing. <laughs> anyway, so enough about that. I just, I wanted to note the fact that we had the same. We all apparently had the same fuchsia hair. Most likely to whatever, you know? Yep. And yes. It, she yeah. was like most likely to march to the beat of her own drum. I always thought anybody who got that was just like like most likely to do drugs <laughs> and die by the side of the road. Because honestly, nobody really says that about anybody. No, that wasn't a category in my senior yearbook. Definitely not. I forgot what mine said, to be honest. <laughs> All I know is that I wrote my own thing. And I know that it, it, whatever it was, they took it out because they thought it was too suggestive or something. Like best thing, like best whatever. Well, more like like you know, how, I don't know if you guys got this, but like we had senior quotes, like you know what yeah. we, what we, yeah. we thought was appropriate for us. Whatever I put there, they didn't like, and they were they didn't even tell me. They just replaced it. Oh my gosh, we didn't have quotes. We did. Um, we had what we, what was called a senior will. Okay. And so all the seniors would like leave symbolic things to the underclassmen. Mm. Oh so, God, that's the, yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And some of them were hilarious and, and almost all of them had to do with some party that was thrown over the year or, or you know, uh, you know, the sports, the athletes would like leave their jock strap to the next, you know, underclassmen or, it, you know, it, it was mostly funny. <laughs> it's not a will without a jock strap. Yeah, that's exactly. just the truth. <laughs> Yeah. And then we have like the best of categories and stuff too. Or, um, I honestly, I don't think we ever, I can't remember a most likely to, I, we didn't have that category, either, but we had like, uh, best dressed or best smile or most, um, outgoing, you know, thing, things like that. I was most musical and, oh. and best hair. <laughs> and it, oh, it ended up being true for the right? most part, I think. <laughs> Maybe. I still have the best hair. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you would. In Hope's second flashback, um, mm -hmm. the one the one where her and Leo are having their last fight. Yeah. Leo confirms that Felix does know about the, the messages cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we weren't but, sure, or I wasn't anyway, if Felix yeah. knew. Yeah, I wasn't either. And and it's it's kind of surprising that like they they didn't really front load it, or maybe he didn't he never really got to see it, maybe. That's that's entirely possible. Yeah, maybe he knew knew about it in theory, but never saw where it was where the messages were coming through. Yeah, not to run defense or anything, but I, I did think that was a little weird, but not weird enough to kind of like eh, concern myself about. Weird that Felix knew about it, or weird that Leo would bring it up. Well, weird that yeah, well, weird both. Let's just say, definitely not weird that Leo Bennett considers Felix family. Mm -hmm. That that's definitely not weird at all. And then no. with Felix kind of continuing the legacy, holding hold <laughs> wait holding hope in the. <laughs> in the holding the cell, holding cell yeah. <laughs> right but you know i was a little too caught up with the the idea of of hope saying you know i'll stop being a screw-up you know right that, that like she thought leo was leaving because of her how she was behaving or like her bargaining you know that like i wasn't thinking she th see i really wasn't thinking and i don't think hope was thinking she he's leaving because she screws up but i think this is like her last like like i'll stop being a screw-up 
and this, and this is what got me. I'm like, because it goes to some of the discussions that we were talking about, about how Hope doesn't think she'll ever be good enough to be mm-hmm. loved, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's not, it's not his fault. It's, it's, she is stuck on what she did. And further to, further to that point, I feel like, um, Leo Bennett was like on the verge of telling her, and maybe you got this, maybe you didn't. I don't know that he was on the verge of telling her, I saw what happened that night or that I was the one to shoot her or something like to that effect. Like it wasn't you, yeah. you completely missed you child. <laughs> Cause it looked like it kind of just went off that first of all, it was far away, far enough away. I think it wasn't like point blank range, but it was like, you know, it was, it's hard it was, to say the distance. Yeah. Yeah. But know. like even cops chasing you know, people down an alleyway trying to hit a moving target. It's really tough. You know, we yeah. we talked about this in season eight, you know, when we're talking about Rick constantly missing Negan. Um, <laughs> but it, it does happen. It really, really does happen, you know, especially in moving target. But then the further you get away, and we were talking about even Judith shooting Beta possibly behind a door. First mm-hmm. of all, you don't know where they are. The further away you are from them is a greater chance of you missing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these different factors. You're dealing with a handgun too, not a rifle, you know, that there's an added aim bonus for you having a rifle. So anyway, my point being, because I didn't want to get too lost in that, but the, the idea being that like, I felt like he was on the verge of telling her, I saw what happened. I know what happened, you know, and it's not your fault. I definitely got the impression that Leo knew what Hope was going through. I don't know how. I, right. I, I certainly didn't think that he had um, shot the, the pregnant woman. Um, right, right, right. I was just I, I didn't, throwing I didn't have that, that out there. Thought. Yeah, I didn't have that thought, but it's totally possible. But I did get the impression that he knew. He knew somehow. Yeah. And I, and I don't know how. I mean, she never told him. She just told Iris about it. So I don't know how, but I did feel like he knew what Hope was going through. Right. And I, I, I can honestly not fault Hope for not thinking that she, that he would have known that, too, by the way. Oh, there's a good... Sharon has got a good theory. She could have been talking in her sleep. And he discovered? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that would definitely give a child nightmares, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean far- she could have been having nightmares right after it happened. Like, let's say for the next few weeks, months, right after it happened. Right. I mean, look, we don't have any way of us knowing that, but mm-hmm. let's let's try to take whatever other information we know and try to apply it to the situation. Because we do know that Iris has, has had trouble sleeping. She's expressed that. She's, mm-hmm. I think she's talked in her sleep, too. And considering what we find out about Hope and Iris in this episode, this is something that actually Sharon mentioned last week, or last week, whatever, the few days beforehand that we recorded this, is that Alexa Mansour actually um, spoiled the fact that they were adopted. She didn't say it when we were were recording. Right. But this was the fact that she spoiled, and it was revealed in this episode that they both were adopted. We Mm -hmm. were just all like thinking, oh, maybe... Maybe Iris, or sorry, maybe Hope was the adopted one, etc., and Iris was the natural-born child. No, no, they were both adopted. And what's crazy is that when they were adopted, they were born on the same day, um, and they were in the same crib growing up. You know, taking, mm-hmm. you know, not taking care of each other or anything, but like Leo Bennett says, basically, you guys were inseparable. You know, I can see the idea of you know if you took one away, the other would cry, or you know, and if you, yeah. oh, if you, yeah, wherever you grew up and whatever orphanage or whatever it was going to be, you know, they obviously got them when they were babies. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the idea of them protecting each other, you know? Yeah, I, I did like that, finding out that, that both girls were adopted. I thought that was a really cool touch. Yeah, really cool touch, which lends more to the idea of them being, you know, twins. Yeah. Or like two halves of a whole, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. 
Well, before we found that out, um, I kind of, I, I was thinking that maybe Iris still was more angry with Hope than she was letting on for, you know, killing her mom. Do you know, right, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. Yeah. But obviously that's not the case. Like, do we know her name? What was their mom's name? I don't remember. But yeah, now we find out that. Um, it was Sharon D. Bennett. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a weird uh, name. <laughs> you know, now we find out both girls were adopted. And so basically even playing fields, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Sharon D's killing us up with the Carrie Bennett was her name. Yeah. Yes, that's right. We did see her name. Yeah. To give to give Iris a lot of credit, I, I'm not seeing much of the resentment. I had my suspicions in the beginning of the episode when she kind of goes, bye, to like her and fucks off with Silas. And does whatever she does. Um, but I'm more inclined to think that I think she really does get it. I think she is now focusing on more, rather than focusing on the drama of the moment or the drama of the past, she is focusing more on the future or her present. Meaning, like, no. look, look at all the shit that I missed. But here's the thing, like, moving past that, you know, now, because uh, I don't see the resentment and I don't think we will. Um, there is something to the idea of her constantly going back to this yearbook fucking off with silas having her little dance seeing the <laughs> scribblings of what these people may have looked like you know in the past and then her finally seeing the corpse of sabina and you know i i was more focused on the mush that silas made uh with his bare hands earlier but then afterwards um looking at the corpse of sabina and then i think there's this weird thing going on where wait 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 what where was sabina oh. i you missed, it. missed her. She sees the corpse of Sabina with the fuchsia hair on laying, laying on the floor in the same room where Silas beat on that walker. Really? Yeah. Now, to me, it looked like all those walkers were like locked. I don't know, locked in lockers, but then they were somehow getting through them. Yeah. She was she in one of those? Well, I don't know, but she ends up on the floor. Maybe okay. Felix takes them all out then sees if there's any left i don't know okay. but by the end of it when they're about to leave because if you remember they went in it was dark it was raining it may have been night and like sharon D says her her blood is fresh so it may have been one of the ones that felix took out in the process remember i mean silas had to lit, light a flare it was so dark and so yeah so we find out we see that in the aftermath um she has silas move on you know silas is silas is feeling regretful about what happened we'll get into that later but um, he moves out and she's about to leave. She's the last one out and she sees the corpse of Sabina Bennett. And so okay. Sabina Bennett, whoa, Sabina ben <laughs> whoa, Sabina James. Yeah. And I feel like maybe, okay. So first of all, like I thought maybe, you know, most likely to be March, the beat of her own drum, the idea of like what these people must've been like, I bet, you know, and there's this thing going on where she's probably wrestling, wrestling with the idea of, and we, we all feel this at what point, like, and I feel this constantly. Um, time that's taken away from you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I spent so much time, let's say, not me, but like she, I'm putting myself in her headspace. I spent, and maybe I'm projecting, but I spent <laughs> so much time planning for the future, trying to be s something resembling my dad or fighting for the cure, saving everybody else and not really doing anything for myself that, you know, I wasted it. And now she's confronted with the reality of the situation. And that's, I can't, you know, now I can't think about the present now i i can't i have to worry about survival that has to come first now and i feel like some of that is going to come to it's going to butt heads now because 
you know, I mean, even the fact that she fucked off and didn't have a conversation with Hope is kind of like dangerous because like you said, you said it yourself, yeah. there might not be a later and you might have to live with regret. I wonder if Iris is going to make that big mistake that makes it so that she cannot, you know, no, no, it's my time now. And then somebody either dies and she chose to live in her moment now rather than survival or somebody else's survival and somebody get somebody dies or gets hurt as a result or whatever it is. I'm worried about that because I see the, I see a little bit of that coming coming around where like she's she's lost so much time she's trying to get it back. I'm mean, even just speaking with, for myself is like sometimes look we'll have these long recording sessions. I fuck off into the other room. I'm using that word a lot lately. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I, I'm done. I'm like I want to get I I just want to get something you know like I want to get some time back. I want to get I want a cool down period. I want to but you know. Sometimes when we're done recording, it's like midnight or sometimes we're done. It's like one in the morning and you know, I need to go to sleep for work. And yet I'll still say, fuck that. I want my time back. You know, like <laughs> I work, I worked until seven o'clock and then we ran right into recording at eight and then we, I'm done by 10, 11 o'clock. I want like a couple of hours of cool down time. No, no. Not allowed. Fuck that. <laughs> I take it back. And you know what? It does cause me harm. I could go to sleep. I could wake up at a decent time and I forcibly do, but here we are. I, I don't know if you guys experience that at all. I don't know. But do you feel like you ever have to take back time? Has it ever bit you in the ass? I don't know. Probably, but not to the point where I notice. I don't know. I'm just very much like, oh, here, what? this is what's next. I don't know. I don't think too hard, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's always been my problem, though. Thinking too much? <laughs> no, no. More like when, somebody, when something or somebody takes away something that was supposed to be mine. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll give you a perfect okay. scenario. I I guess I, I know a perfect example is okay. when I'm trying to trouble troubleshoot anything, <sighs> you know, Boy. the, the, the six hours I wasted the other day with Apple support. Oh man. That, that's time. I'll never get back. That right. irritated me. Yeah. And do you feel like you have to replace that somehow? I can't. Or you can't replace it. Time lost. You can't, it's not possible. <laughs> you can certainly try to do something <laughs> and it can certainly bite you in the ass though. That's the no, thing. Once you're, once you've used your time, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's up. You can't go back and get that time back again. Yeah. I mean, that's just me. I'm delusional. You know, it's, it's just a reality. See, and I'm, I'm a, you know, moving forward. Like just, this is the, there's only one direction. I do get stuck. <laughs> no, I, I will get stuck. I, I can give my perfect yeah. scenario is like, yeah. When Sharon is saying, AMC, give me my three hours back. Amos, yeah. did you take it out some, but see, here's the thing. Did you take it out somewhere else? Or like you said, Sharon, okay. Maybe one example of that is you, you couldn't sleep. There was like something inside you that said, I should be watching this episode. But mm -hmm. like you couldn't sleep as a result. So that's you taking some of that time back. Do you know what I mean? Like a weird, irrational form of taking it back. Like Mikey, he's taking, or sorry, Mouth. It was, I'm taking him back. I'm taking him all back in the Goonies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for I, me. I love sleep too much to sacrifice <laughs> anything though. <laughs> I, I was the guy who would, like the, I wasn't an insomniac. I was just, you know, I'm too young to, to, to waste time sleeping. That was me in my, mm, in my no, 20s for the most part. Sleep. Love sleep. <laughs> and Sandy was too mad to sleep. And see, for me, it's like, I remember this perfect scenario, like, of, of how I got stuck on something was, was me trying to go out with this girl who's definitely way younger than me, um, but not younger than, than the woman I married. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my first encounter with somebody I, I dated that was younger than I thought was young. Um, and like, she had secretly been dating this other guy behind her parents' back. And they were setting me up. My parents were setting me up with her. Oh, and, and and lo and behold, I actually liked her. I liked her a lot. We're good friends now, but like 
but like, and I wrote a song about it. This really emotional. Um, but like, I, I liked her a lot. And then she eventually told me like after months of really, really, really good dates and like getting to know each other. And she's like, you know, I like you a lot, but I have this weird confession to make. I didn't think this would actually work. And you know, you're a good guy. You deserve the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm dating this other guy. And at the time I'm like, cool, fine. Thank you for telling me. That's really gracious. I know that was hard. Mm -hmm. She walks away and I get stuck because here I am obviously wasting, having, you could say wasting, I, I say living an experience that, you know, was great. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But on the other hand of that was like this idea of like, oh, that's it. <gasps> and so like, I couldn't, my brain had a hard time moving past that for yeah. a long while. It's like, could I have done something? What could I have done? I got stuck. Like, okay. Mm. It, there's, I put so much into this thing that I was actually enjoying. I didn't think I would because it was a setup <laughs> and, and, you know, and it was a surprising thing. She was a great person and I just had a hard time and I like started smoking again. It was this weird thing. Mm. And, um, yeah. And it was just like for months, I was just stuck on it. I had to write songs. I had to kind of write it out of myself. And then like, eventually I moved on, but like, it took a while because things like that for me just take a while to get past. So like, I'm bringing it back to the show though. I feel like some of this, and maybe again, maybe this is me projecting. I don't know, <laughs> but like I can see a world in which look, she's enjoying the idea of being living this past or living this kind of life. Mm -hmm. You know, something that she, that was denied her or she denied herself, and I can see that coming into play later on. I don't know if it's the big thing, but I know that it's you're you're laying the groundwork for something that might come back to bite everyone in the ass. Mm be bad meanwhile i see hope kind of figuring shit out at the same time too you know the the analogy or the uh the idea of the wolf you know when they when they when they skirt past the wolf the idea of the wolf protecting its young and then huck and her talking about her dad saying they have a funny way of showing how much they love you and then mm -hmm. her instantly flashing back thinking about the two times where you know leo bennett kind of just didn't really think about her you know didn't pick her up from school whatever it was to come show up after she got in trouble. No. And then for the stink bomb, obviously. <laughs> and his clever answer too, by the way. I love it was yeah. weird because I I had this weird moment watching this of knowing exactly his thought process. Like it's not that you forgot, it's that you said to yourself, Oh, you know, oh, this makes sense. You know, oh, you get busy doing this and you think to yourself, Oh, but I have to go see hope. But wait, then I thought, fuck that. <laughs> let's use our time intelligently and say, yeah, maybe she should just do her own in her own juices. And I can continue figuring this thing out. And then I could come back to that and say, Hey, you know, I was going to pick you up, <laughs> but yeah. And it, it, it was a little like I was being attacked by the way. <laughs> like, Cause I, I'm often acute. Like I'm often, I, I have been known to be late to certain things. Sorry. Hmm, I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like one for two. Usually when we record, like I, you know, maybe once every other time I'm late so far, I try to tend towards the positive glass half full thing, but you know, it happens. And then sometimes I have to think of an excuse or like, I don't know, I have to explain myself, but I just felt attacked at that moment because I felt like I identified with him a little bit too much. Oh man. Oh boy. And so, uh, but then the, the whole idea of like him, like really confronting her and saying, I, I get it. Like, I know what you think of me. I think you're, but I think you're. Extraordinary or exceptional, right? Exceptional. You know, you're not any more or less exceptional than your sister. 
Right. You are who you are. And I, and I love you unconditionally. And these are things that like, okay, if the first scene wasn't enough, what, coming back to the second scene where he's leaving and her saying, and this, this is what broke me is like her saying, bargaining, saying, I, I promise I'll be good. You know, like it's like her trying to get him to stay, you know, like, and, and I wrote down in really, really big letters, like, you know, hope acts out to get her dad's attention, mm-hmm. whether it's negative or not, you know, in her own way. She's trying to get her dad's love. And I really like that. I really like that a lot. Which is kind of funny if you think about it, right? Because she already has it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, she just doesn't register. And like here, Huck, Huck and her are saying like, yeah, dad's a funny way of showing it. Well, uh, hmm. hey, here's a mirror. Enjoy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> daughters do too. Or at least those That's daughters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how you show. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's <sighs> let's talk about um relationships between fathers and sons because i'm going to go back to this one thing but um but silas let's really get some let's really drill down on this because silas has his first walker kill yeah i know i put it in my, i'm like silas's first kill <laughs> oh and it was it was something like you know he he even he'd even been talking to iris in the in the auditorium or the gymnasium didn't he say something about you, that you've heard what they've said before yeah cuz that's when they have the conversation about stupid people Right, right. Everybody's talking, and she's like, "Yeah, people. Everybody's stupid." (laughs) That is such a teenager thing to say, though, isn't it? Oh yeah. But isn't it a little funny how adults do that too? They kind of care. Yeah, it carries on (laughs) to adulthood for some people. Well, okay. As a teenager, you think everyone's stupid, and then as an adult, you realize it's true. But I, I don't know. I've gone. I've gone in years, and I, like, I don't know. I feel like now that I'm forty, I'm like, I, to explain this quote better, Huck says something very wise to answer your question about stupid people. Mm-hmm. And this is about the wolf. She goes, "It's easy to think you're reading a situation the right way. Sometimes, though, there's a whole other thing going on that you had no idea about." Mm-hmm. And this is how I kind of usually. I usually read into a situation, so we can see this for anybody. We can see this for Silas. We can see this for Hope. Obviously, Iris. Um, Felix, Huck, mm-hmm. like you look at Huck right now and all your opinions about her and her accent, which I don't know if it vanished or not. I don't know. But like, you look at her and you're like, oh my God, this is this fucking dumbass. And then like, <laughs> but, and then you look at Elton, Elton outwardly seems like a nice guy, pretty intelligent, doesn't know much about being a kid, but you don't know what's going on under the service. You don't, nope. you have nope. no idea. That's, th- the, that's true for, for everyone. I yeah. mean, all over the world. But it's know. a, it's a really good life lesson. Like, you don't know why people react the way they do. You don't know why the, the, the guy's cutting you off in traffic. Or you don't know why, you know, a certain person is, is picking out coupons in the, in the grocery line. Because they can't, mm-hmm. maybe they can't afford the shit they're trying to buy. There's, there's oh. things like that. Or people ch- just decide to snap back at you. Meanwhile, you find out all their family is, like, in quarantine or something. And that's how they're, you know, that's how they're coping, you know. So, I, I kind of like that. I, I picked that out and I was like, oh, this can be applied everywhere. Like the mm-hmm. allegory is everywhere. Oh, Sabina James. We assume she, um, Iris assumes certain things about this person, puts herself in this fantasy world that she builds about this one person. Oh, I bet she survived. She looks like a survivor, and then she <laughs> finds out she's dead. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, maybe part of that rocks her world. Maybe part of the idea of you don't know what's going on under underneath the surface. You don't know what their story is behind. You know, you're you're putting things on them. But they're not alive anymore. 
right. or dads, dads, you know, you don't know what they're thinking and, and how much they love you, or, you know, or, or you're not connecting with even the words that they're telling you outright, you know, mm-hmm. you're looking yeah. at the wrong end of a telescope. That's right. You know, this whole idea. So, but let's, let's go back to Silas because there's, there's something going on here when he actually starts to see the walkers pile up. She, Iris is banging on the door, the other side of the uh, fallout shelter. There seems to be two entrances. It looks like. Mm-hmm. And they're on the other side of where you are now. And um, <laughs> and it's locked. There's a chain locking the door that they're that Huck and Hope are trying to get from the other side. Felix comes in even. They're trying to unlock this door. Meanwhile, something has to be done. Silas is losing his fucking mind. He's going, they're coming. They're always coming. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and let's go through the things that happen in his head in that microsecond. Because I wrote it all down. I, I wrote down the one thing I saw that I felt was most important. Okay. I saw a lot of things, but I only wrote down what I felt was most important. Okay, you, when you get to it, just hit me. I feel like a lot of a lot of what we saw in his flashes, we've already seen, except, except for, for one one thing, right? Yeah. But, like Silas is seeing. He says they're always coming. The empties bust out of the lockers. Silas has major flashbacks. Felix, here's Felix. You get a fresh start. He's looking at his own own hands caked in blood. Random girl. Even his own mom testified against him. That was new. Oh, I did write that down too, yeah. Yeah. And then he's back at the back of the ambulance and like the little flashes of people walking past. Man, I, man says, I still can't believe they let him in here. Beating on someone. Okay. Woman, dude should be in jail for what he did. He's yep. being choked by his father. We, we don't really... That was the part that I saw. The only thing we see from this person is like a little sliver of their shoulder. And, and I can't confirm or deny if it's the same shirt that we see of the person he's pounding on. Right. But he is definitely being choked. So the person has dark hair. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So it's definitely not his uncle. I, no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm going to assume it's not his uncle. His uncle seemed older than this gentleman, yeah. whoever this was. Well, we've only seen him the once, but I didn't get a very abusive vibe from his uncle. <laughs> no, no, I got, he seemed very loving. I don't know. I I know that you wanted to talk about the ginger ale. Also, one of the cool things. Oh about- no, I just thought I just thought it was funny. I mean, of all the sodas to be excited about, <laughs> they get stuck with ginger ale. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not like not like Mister Pib, which is I right. I like actually particularly like a Coke. <laughs> yeah, or a Coke. What's right? t- talking about funny products though, Smeet made a re- made a return. The the Smeet was their canned meat product on the Walking Dead oh, universe. The spam? Yeah, but they call it Smeet. Smeet, yeah. Smeet, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of cool, like bringing back some old references from other Walking Dead properties, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Sardines, the comment about sardines. Like and the again, <laughs> illustrating the age gap, not just like the sunglasses with the visor visors and all that stuff. <laughs> But like, so, but again, it goes back to like some of our conversations we've had about things that grow on us, like as we get older. And I, I, like, I was remember how we were talking about salt. Old people eat salty food just to kind of be able yeah. to taste it. Yeah. And, and I feel like that you know, like and like imagine those pungent like what we consider pungent as kids, like Brussels sprouts, Ugh, right? But then as an adult, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Roasted Brussels it's- sprouts with olive with olive oil and and a Balsamic reduction, please. Salt and pepper on top. Ooh. I'm still not big on the veggies, <laughs> but uh, I see your point. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Po- but, but the point still stands. Right. But, but like in sardines, mm, I actually like them Ooh. a lot. 
Oh, it's oh. so good. So I'm part of a mac and cheese club, okay? I, <laughs> I, I had to miss our last meeting on Saturday because I was busy editing oh, no. so we could crank out the um, the episode that we premiered on Saturday night. It was actually our last Walking Dead World Beyond episode. This year I did, I didn't do Eugene's sardine mac and cheese because that looks gross, but I did make a variation on it, which did very well. It just needed more mm. cheese. I put Old Bay seasoning. Mm. I put some good aged cheddar, some really sharp, sharp flavors to kind of complement the, the sharp, pungent taste of sardine. But I, I put them like, I sprinkled them. Like, I didn't like pack them in with sardines and stuff like that. I, I drained it, the oil. I, I, I kind of mixed it in like, like sparingly amongst the noodles and stuff like that. And it came okay. out really, yeah. really well. I was very proud of it. <laughs> but I, I I like the idea of like the like illustrating the slight generational gap between you know Huck and Felix and the rest of the kids, um, and what they'll react and what we need in the moment, food, yeah. like things that'll actually keep us you know, like nutrient dense and all that stuff, versus <laughs> whatever the fuck they want, like ginger ale and all that. Iris says she has a lot to make up for. I, I think she's alluding to like the night the sky fell. Personally, right. I kind of got that impression too. So I'm wondering what. Does she feel like she has to make up for? Well, that in addition to like, I mean, Dr. K said it best, like that night set the course of your life for the rest, you know, until this point, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the idea of living not for herself, but for others, putting others first, busying herself with other things. Yeah. And she wasn't there for hope you, is, is what, what Sherry really simpli is simplifying. You really think that, that that's, that that's it though? I mean, how could Iris feel like she should have been there for hope. I mean, first of all, she was a child as well and oh. she got pulled away by her dad. I mean, she literally had no choice yeah. in what was, she didn't decide not to be there for hope. She was someplace else. She couldn't be there. And, and in a way, like the gun went off and she didn't have a choice in hope didn't have a choice either. You know, it's like, yeah, but like they take responsibility for it. And furthermore, as a result, they take responsibility and, transfer that to everything they've done for the rest of their lives. I mean, yeah. these people were like locked in a, in a box for 10 years, you know, they didn't get to experience like Felix himself. Something like we pointed out, like Felix just never properly matured. I think also, you know, <laughs> I mean, you see him stop after being so cool with his dad, like the way he handled his dad when he, his dad was kicking him out. I thought mm -hmm. there was, there was a really cool you know, adult mature thing he did. And like, from that point forward, like he just stopped maturing. Stop. He didn't know how. Doesn't know how to act. To, you know, to have a boyfriend. <laughs> like I guess my my boyfriend. I guess uh, you know that sort of thing. But like, but like, yeah, these are people like who that are halted in progress. You know, and um, and yeah, arrested I have a lot of development. Yeah, arrested development. Exact. That's exactly what I was, gonna, I was trying to say, but it just lost somewhere yeah. in the ether. <laughs> Another great show. In some ways, just on the on the surface thing, like it makes sense because like I have a lot to make up for. What does that mean? Just all this stuff. Technically, I didn't. I busied myself with other shit. Now she's not telling okay. Silas the truth, and Silas is not telling her the truth. And I find that kind of interesting a little bit. And I don't blame him. Gosh, I don't blame him. I think Silas did kill his dad. To be honest, to be frank with you, I I think he did, but I think there's going to be more to it still, yeah. even still. Yeah, and I. It was weird how he, how he phrased that question to Iris, though, wasn't it? Like, 
almost near, like he wasn't even sure if he did near the like, end. Do you're you saying? think I killed? Yeah, yeah. It's like I the bet way you, he phrases it. To her. Like I bet you think I killed my dad, right? Because like after seeing after seeing her, him actually, the thing is, is that Iris had full view of how he exactly was. I guess that day, you know, that day that sure. whatever it was happened, and so mm-hmm. she, out of all people, would has more of a reason to accuse him of what she is may or may not have heard from Campus mm-hmm. Colony, from Omaha, whatever. And yet she still comes back to him and says, it doesn't really matter. It right. doesn't really matter. Like, and she's like the perfect person to ask <laughs> because you're talking about somebody who's, who got caught up as well in what doesn't matter. Like, it wasn't your fault. Like, there's nothing you could have done about it. It doesn't, it's not your fault she was dating another guy. Okay, it's not your fault. And you you could have done it. A- oh, now I'm projecting. Anyway, the whole point being <laughs> like, wait is a minute. That- dating. what <laughs> we get we get caught. This story I told before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the point is, is don't you're stuck on this thing that had you had nothing, you've no control over. You didn't have control over the night the sky fell. And I bet this is like a lot of people. You Felix, you didn't have control over the night the sky fell. You know, your parents were completely in control of shutting you out. Now, you could have tried to take that away from them, but what what would that have accomplished? Nothing. They would have still felt the same way, and you would have been keeping them, holding them hostage for the thing they don't want to do, and that's accepting you. Anyway, if you thought you had, you could have done something, guess what? You still wouldn't have been able to control the way the world works, the way other people work, etc. Yep. But that's what people do. We Was it every action has an equal... An opposite, and reaction. an opposite reaction. You know, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. people do. We, we, when we face with these challenges and these traumas, like we do our best to make up for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and having that in full view, Iris gives Silas the immediate opportunity to heal from this trauma. Because having seen all this stuff for herself firsthand, she goes, dude, you saved our lives. It may have scared me. Nice. I I, I reacted in a scary way. We saw it. We so it was like, Silas, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but, you know, I want to remind you, you saved us twice. Right. Right. But I, I think we see exactly what it is that Silas is afraid of, what he does to Elton when he's in that trance. Yeah. That, you know, I don't know. I almost want to call it a fugue state. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Just, yeah. I, you know. Word. He has no idea what's going on, and he, th- you know, throws Elton across the room, not even realizing what's what's going on. And I think that's what Silas has been afraid of the whole time. If yeah. he kills a Walker, he's going to lose himself. Right. The cacophony of the Walker sounds is like it's like Beta, except like the opposite effect. Like when when, when Silas <laughs> hears the music of his fans, he <sighs> he he goes crazy. You know, he's at least he's aware of it too, and he's afraid of it. And they do they sound sort like, of embraced it. Yeah, and they do sound like kind of like whispers, like the 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 Walker sounds. You know, sure, uh, like sure. the whispering of of people all around him. The pe- the anxiety that Silas gets from being in close quarters with. For Silas, the whispers were the humans, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Or the the walkers were. Yeah, yeah. The whispers. Yeah, sure. Well, the humans were whispering about him, right? The Walking Dead. They thought he couldn't hear. People are <laughs> yeah. the Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Sherry says, "I just want to say, <laughs> just want to say that there's no way an ice pack is going through corduroy." All for to further the point, it's toughy stitch, people. It's toughy stitch. You know, kids can wear them, kids can't tear them. 
um, which they do make a, they do make a reference. <laughs> they call him corduroy and they like, Oh, you put, you put the tough and toughy stitch. You know that kid? <laughs> That's God. funny. They make him, they make him out to be such a dork. Um, and, but like to hit to Elton's credit, he's like, I'm more worried about Silas. He's always emphasizing his identifying with Silas. He's always like, mm-hmm. dude, I need to make this guy feel like he belongs, that he's cool. I like him. I mean, when we first meet them, Silas, you know, he taps on Silas's shoulder, I'm assuming, because it's off screen. He's like, hey, dude, I found an easy bake-up, and you want to make some cakes? <laughs> like, right. and, and they walk into El- uh, Leo Bennett's office Leo's thinking, office, like, yeah. exactly, thinking, hey, oh, there's, <laughs> what's her face? Uh, let's uh, let's get some cakes. You want some cakes? Here's some cakes. Cakes. Everybody okay. have cakes. <laughs> One of the things I said in the last episode is that we're focusing on all these other people, save for Huck and save for Elton. And I'm concerned that Elton is the most damaged one of them all. I'm wondering what his past is, because we do get a glimpse of a past scene when Felix is approaching the lockers. First of all, I want to address this one thing first. Whoever died in those lockers, by the way, I thought that was the saddest thing in the fucking universe. Well, okay. Now, see, did you assume they died there or that someone came through and put them in there after they had turned? I'm not, I think somebody... I think... I think when it all happened and things went down, somebody had put somebody in a locker and locked it, and then when oh, and for, somebody forgot to check on them, they, like the rest of them went down to the fallout shelter, and people started turning, and I just thought, like, oh my god, what would it, what would that have been like? That's, that's even, that's even worse. Like, that, that's even worse. Like they tried to get yeah. out, and ugh, this is you know, like talk about like where. Uh, both of our minds were going like, oh, there's people in there. Oh, they, obviously it's people. They're monitoring, they're jamming the signal. And I'm like, <laughs> and here's where my mind goes. Oh, wow, what, how depressing would it be when it all goes down? Somebody gets, a nerd gets stuck in a locker and just stays there forever mm-hmm. as a walker. So could you make out um, what Elton was seeing during all that? Okay, so- At first, I thought he f- saw himself locked in a locker, but then he w- he was way too young for that, and the space he was in was much larger. So, so it looked like a very very small space. the The lines of light, the shafts of light that were coming through the top. So, just to explain to what what we're describing is that when he when he sees Felix head towards the lockers, and he's he and Elton is actually looking at a past sequence of himself. But he's mm-hmm. also imagining himself being in that locker, too. So there's a little bit, sure. maybe two things going on here. But then he's imagining himself as a kid. His, his, his hands are over his head, or his ears, even. And the shafts of light, to me, look like it was uh, like floorboards. So he's underneath the floorboards. Why? He's, okay. Doesn't it look... Do, are you, do you think maybe the I same thing? It, it was kind of a... It was a quick flash. And to be... I don't know. I didn't think floorboards, because the area he was in looked kind of clean. Yeah, it, yeah. It looked to me, like, it looked like um, like a container of some sort. I thought so too, but then like the sha- the the shafts of light did maybe the closest it looked like to me was floorboards, like at an yeah. angle because maybe it was like at a certain time of day. Okay, okay. Do you know, so yeah, I, I only watched it the one time too, so maybe on my second watch I'll I'll have a better idea and pay closer attention. Sharon is saying under a staircase, possible. Yeah, if we're talking about wooden floorboards, oh, okay. wooden staircase or something, I don't know. Yeah. But definitely, like underneath some sort of wooden boards, or maybe maybe narrow wooden boards, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's interesting. So we couldn't hear anything. We didn't know anything. All we saw were, was six-year-old Elton or something like that, just cold, holding his ears and just mm-hmm. you know claustrophobic. Now thinking about it, 
Maybe that's where he was the night the sky fell. Ugh, God, maybe he was trapped under there too or something. Maybe. But I, he said I he wonder. wasn't with his mom. So Well, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> and when you said six when you said six years old, that's probably about the age they were when this happened. Because it seemed to be all about the same age too. Yeah, I would say so. I yep. would say so. Did you get a good look at Felix's tattoo or no? Because I rewound that probably three or four times and I could oh. not. You could not get a clear image of his tattoo. So first of all, let's go back. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because what I assumed- well, it's right after what happens with Alt Elton. I keep calling right. him Alton. So yeah, so what I what I called a compression sleeve, because it looked like a compression sleeve, the, the black mm -hmm. compression sleeve, it was all a solid black tattoo. Solid black. Okay, okay. Because I kept looking for an image and I'm like, all I see is a black blob, but it was probably just- the way the light was hitting his arm and, and stuff. So yeah. it's just solid black. Yeah. So you see this in okay. the first, you see, you actually get a good look at it in the first episode. Mm-hmm. I uh, also thought it was a compression sleeve. Yeah. It looked, cause it looked like one, right? Like it just yeah. didn't, it looked too, it looked a little shiny. I, I don't know. Whatever. Sharon, he said, Nico talks about it in his Instagram story today. Hmm. So, so when, when he refers to that tattoo, I just want to remind everybody oh. that he says it's a reminder of the, the things that, the things that we've lost, you know, the people that he's lost along the way, not just his parents, which let's go back to that. His parents suck. And yeah. what, what really, really bugs me about that fact is that he's really pulling out all the stops to try to convince Elton to join the cause. And I'm wondering if he's leveraging his ter his bad memories of his parents as good ones to kind of emphasize the fact that like I've lost a lot of people. Okay. Like he, he, no, Felix, you didn't lose your parents because of the night the sky fell. It, you lost your right. parents because they were dicks. And so what yeah. it brings me back to the present and it's just like, man, he's really using a lot of emotional manipulation in in Elton's weakened state to try mm -hmm. to convince him to to go back. Now, if look, I, everybody has their own tactics, but I wonder if you would do the same. And I, and, I, and I guess in a life or death situation, which this is, I think I might. And I'm wondering what I, you think. I, yeah. I think he, I think Felix took the perfect opportunity to talk about how dangerous it is what they're doing. Yeah. Case in point, look what just happened. This right here is the reason that we need to shift gear and head back someplace safe. Granted, there is no place safe. We know that, but they don't. Oh, Sharon, do you wouldn't use an emotional manipulation to save somebody from a life or death situation? Are you better? I think that was her, Are you better than us? I think I think that was her answer to when I asked if Nico had revealed anything oh, on his Instagram. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> no, she's still better than us, but not because of that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. totally better than us. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I love how he took that opportunity to emotionally manipulate the audience into convincing everybody that Sharon D's better than us. Fair. But it, but it was. It was, a, it was a perfect opportunity. Look what just happened. Here's why we need to shift gears and get someplace safe. By the way, and so, I think I think it does work because we do see them oh, yeah. by the Mississippi River in some of the sneaks. I think they make it there too because Iris makes a comment about how Huck told her that the military destroyed all the bridges, and then we see a destroyed bridge. Yeah, so yeah. we had to kind of go through these sneaks because of the stinger, which we'll get into <laughs> at some point. Yeah, and Sharon is saying the previews get her excited for next week. Yeah, so yeah, they do that. They do do that. I'm I'm more like in this like holding pattern. Like it's like, what was <laughs> what was the clincher? What made them do it? What uh, what made them decide to go back? And and now that they are going back, they're gonna find out a lot of things. Hopefully, if they make it there, all of them, because some of them look like they're in trouble. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> well, hope 
Hope gets pretty mad at Elton. Well, we're, we're we're getting into sneak peeks, and we haven't finished the episode yet. Uh, again, I'm not doing any. This is this is the extent of our sneak peeks, everybody. Good night. Okay. Good night. There we kidding. Go. kidding. In the auditorium, Felix basically goes to Silas, "Hey, you good?" Because he was the last one coming, or well, second to last one coming in. And Elton answers for him, and he goes, "Yes, yes, you are." And I like that little moment. Felix, yeah. just Elton is going out of his way, like Charity says, because maybe they both feel like they're outcasts. To just make him feel like he belongs. And I think them doing that for themselves together, and maybe Silas will do that as well. Not just putting a, a, a towel over Iris in the last episode, which I thought was kind of cute. I, I think I can see what Elton's doing with Silas also. You know, he see like you, ju you just said, they both feel kind of like they're outcasts. And I feel like if Elton can bring Silas to a place where he's okay, then Elton can also feel be okay. okay. Like yeah. he's, Elton is doing for Silas what, Elton needs to do for himself, but yeah. he's projecting it on Silas. <laughs> yeah, you don't really see that though, too. Like often, when people do something for someone else to kind of make them feel like they're. What do you I mean? do. You do that for for <laughs> other people to make yourself. Sure, I do. Well, I guess the reason isn't to make myself feel better. So yeah, no. but I I do. I go above and beyond, and I I try to do everything possible for for my friends and family and <laughs> the people who mean that things to me. So a couple, a couple of comments from yeah. Charity. Uh, first of all, she's shipping hashtag Cyrus. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So and, am I. <laughs> and uh, and Sharon also says that uh, Elton is probably doing it because you want the big guy to protect you. <laughs> that's not a bad idea either. Yeah. 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 It, it's yeah, a good ancillary benefit. Sure. Why not? <laughs> a gentle giant. Oh, be gentle. Don't, don't eat me. Like <laughs> There's just one one moment between Hope and Iris that I mm -hmm. thought was really nice. Iris tells Hope that they both should have been honest about what happened the night the sky fell. Yeah. They should have been they would have they would have been there for each other. And this is a callback to what Leo says in the beginning about when they were babies. I mean, they were inseparable even as babies. And had they just been honest with each other, they had the kind of relationship that would have gotten themselves through it. Right. But right. for some reason they didn't. And even more to the point, you know, Iris does go out of her way to say we both would have, we both wouldn't have missed out. Maybe, right, maybe right. on, maybe on her dad, her own dad. You know, mm -hmm. uh, hope not missing out on her dad, not giving him shit, all this stuff, all this time. Charity says they were bonded in the crib. There's going to be a wedge. Who specifically does Huck call the wedge? Elton. Elton. Yeah. Yep. Or mm. or, or Silas. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, when Hope and Huck were strafing across the back wall when they were trying to get past the the wolf, yeah, I, you you do get the sense that Huck and the wolf kind of lock eyes. Yeah, like some I definitely saw that. like some redneck Walmart t shirt. <laughs> <I'm> kidding, <laughs> but well, but that there's maybe I mean, something going on here symbolically, or like maybe she had a child, or maybe I don't know something going on here. I don't know. I like that you brought back up the wolf though because. Huck says she's, you know, most likely um, guarding her young, right? That's probably where the babies are. And she, okay, from what I know about wolves, uh, when they mate, they mate for life. So mm. if I saw one wolf and I assume they were protecting their young, I would immediately assume there's another wolf there somewhere. Which also made me think that as well. Well, not in that context, but like now what you thought and I thought makes sense because if one is guarding their young, there is definitely another one out there scaring the shit Hunting. out of them. Cyrus, sorry, Cyrus, basically hashtag Cyrus. Cyrus yeah. <laughs> um, which, because I mean, yes. if one is busy strifing away, 
uh, strafing away, then the other, you know, hiding, protecting the young, the other one's going to go out and hunt, like you said, and pull pull yeah. walkers, you know, by their legs and drag them back in. Right, right. Um, right. We might have seen wolf number two in the vent. And it's funny, yeah. what, it's funny that Sharon D says Huck is going to die because I, I wrote in some weird way foreshadowing when I saw them lock eyes. Like, is there something going mm. on here? I mean, again, I like the factoid that she mentions, you know, when you're out there as long as I have, which again brings me back to like how long was she out there before she made it to the walls of campus colony right yeah like are we dealing with a rick finally reaching reaching the walls of alexandria kind of situation she had to be like potty trained again no i'm kidding oh that's cool i really like that oh, i wasn't even thinking that at all sharon he says romulus and remus were twins who who founded rome they were actually they were suckled by wolf and romulus and remus are also planets aren't they this is a roman mythology and again, we're, we're dealing with twins constantly in the series. Twin walkers, sure. twin Hope and Iris, twin mm -hmm. wolves. I kind of thought Hope, or not Hope, uh, Huck um, sort of related to the wolf. I, I thought, I yeah. saw it as more of like a, like an understanding. Like, I'm going to, I'm going this way. I'm not a threat. Look at me. You know what I mean? Um, like, she almost connected to the animal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking that initially, and then it got me to thinking about how, you know, maybe Huck has a child too somewhere or, mm. lo or lost a child somewhere. Lost a child, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Because it is, it is very prescient. Like when you know something like that. Maybe uh, she hooked up with the whispers for a minute and they took the baby. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Adam. Oh no. Or Hope is her child. <gasps> Big reveal. I thought you were cool, Huck. <laughs> but now I know you're my mom. So now you're, you're back to being uncool, Huck. God. Honestly, I've always... I, since the beginning of the show, I have definitely seen similarities between Huck and Hope. Like, like, are they distant really related somehow? Or are we going to find out that there's a connection between those two that we don't know about yet? Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, poor Iris. Now we don't know her, what her biological father is, her mother. Right. right. <laughs> Hope's going to get a resolution, an additional resolution. Why didn't you love me, mommy? <laughs> like, no, we're going right. <laughs> to right. love each other while we're out here. No, we're a teenager. We're going to rebel. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Hope. Stop it. Stop it. I'm already like figuring out this year. Stop being an asshole, Hope. You only live once. Silas thinking art is useful. He picks up the paintbrushes for Iris. That was so sweet. Just off the heels of Hope saying, you know, avoidance is the best tactic, you know, over her shoulder as Iris and Silas go away. Silas asks, basically says to her outright, you're an artist. And she kind of dodges mm -hmm. it. Do you know what I mean? She kind of dodges yeah. it and says, you know, it's too busy doing this. She never really answers the question, you know? Mm -hmm. Again, avoidance. Like, she's avoiding things because she's enjoying her time now. Oh, I'm just enjoying thinking about dances and what it must have been <laughs> like. Why does she reject her art, though? That's the thing. Like, I regret, reject the idea that she's an artist. Is she still, like, maybe not through thinking of, like... Because, like, she is yeah. battling the idea. She Even, like, when presented with the idea that she's the leader. She yeah. says something like, for now, or, like... Maybe I'm, or I'm trying or I'm trying, I'm trying right. or I'm doing my best. Yeah. Like Maybe she, she doesn't feel like she deserves to, to have joy like art. Right. She right. thinks of it more of a hobby than who she is. Right. Cause she's never really thought of herself as oh, like, Oh, this is just something I'm good at, but I never really mm -hmm. thought about it as a thing. Hmm. I, I, it's like all these different things tugging at her. Like, first of all, do you even think she deserves, not deserves that she, she being she, like, this is a good role to fall back into. Her, she's clearly a leader in Campus Colony when she's walking around class president-like, mm -hmm. you know? 
is this a good role to naturally fall into if you know specifically that you've been doing this all your life like you've been trying to live for the future lead for tomorrow are, are you good to lead all these people like maybe she's the best qualified but i don't think so are you capable like so are, like now that you've resolved yourself to say i should have lived for today I said, whatever so now you're gonna take this thing on like i don't know somebody else should lead to be honest felix <laughs> felix should probably lead. yeah felix should but felix is gonna need the backing of one of those kids to sort of wrangle the rest of them right yeah 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 and, and it works whatever it is it works and 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 Sharon is making a fear joke right now. <laughs> Iris is going to paint some trees. Her uncle Wes taught her tree painting. I think she feels art is part of the old. Okay, now she's being serious. I feel art. She feels art is part of the old her. Yeah, and maybe there's oh. like a Super Saiyan Iris um, going on here too. Iris goes Super Saiyan Iris, meaning she has like a, a third form, like whatever that is. Stop right here if you haven't watched past the post credit scenes and the, yeah. and the peaks into next episode. Because there's an additional scene after that. Okay, you've watched it? Okay, good. Now we're going to get to talk about it, okay? So the first thing you actually see, very interesting, is the scientist herself has a CRM tattoo right in the, the little, you know, little part between the thumb and the index finger on a person's wrist. There's a word for this space, but I can't think of it. Yeah. Yeah, so that <laughs> scientist who's speaking to the recorder has this weird CRM or CR tattoo on her on her wrist, like that part of the wrist right there. Because the stinger is so short, you could easily miss it. So it's worth pointing it out. It hits the recorder. Um, now, mm -hmm. it, it pointedly points, it shows the four scientists in the photo by her desk. She is one of them. If you, did you watch this with captions on or no? Yes. Okay, so you got her name. I do? I did. Her name showed up in the credit or in the captions. Oh, okay, what is her name? Lila. Lila? Mm -hmm. L-A-I. L-A-I? L-Y-L-A. Oh, L-Y-L-A? Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay, we got we got a name. Okay. So Lila says... And <laughs> so all four scientists are in the photo, including Leo Bennett. And who mm -hmm. we find out later is Dr. Samuel Abbott. So it's mm -hmm. Samuel Abbott, Lila, Leo yeah. Bennett, and an, un, an unidentified scientist all the way to the left. Yes. Um, somewhat Caucasian-looking... Uh, white beard, shorter, glasses, older shorter guy, probably yeah. elder, Not elder scientists. Hair. Yeah. So test subject displayed, no detectable responses. Now we're zooming into, you know, patient or subject at a four zero two, um, no detectable responses to such psychological stimuli, necrotic plasma and brain fluid are being drawn for further testing results to be compared to tests performed during and immediately following reanimation. Tomorrow we'll begin mm -hmm. the climate variation tests as scheduled. Again, this is subject A402, known in life as Dr. Samuel Abbott. Now you zoom into the to the actual subject. From, oh, from, from Portland, Oregon. From Por Portland, yeah. Oregon. Yeah. Now that's important. But I, I did want to mention like the whole idea of you know we zoom into the test subject and it looks exactly like the, the one of the scientists in the photo, Dr. I Samuel the Abbott. Photo, yeah. Exactly the the ginger beard, ginger haired. Scientist Samuel About Abbott. The same thing. Okay. Now she she says to the probably the people behind there. Uh, thank you. Bring out the next TS, please. Test subject. Uh, that's good. There. Thank you. She's eating a sandwich. Blah blah. Test subject A four zero three. We don't see who that is or what that is, depending. But this gets me very nervous because like, sequentially speaking, <laughs> if, if Doctor Abbott is A four zero two, they're wanting us to think. First of all. 
again, from Portland. So they did the same thing to Campus Colony that they did to Portland. They took one of their scientists. They're all together mm-hmm. in the photo. So I don't know what the deal with that is. But maybe, right. I don't know, maybe they're hoping that they can reverse it. I, I don't know. I, that, I, that's definitely the impressions I got, is that they were trying to reverse it. Yep. And they're offering themselves up, their minds up? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if they would offer it up, but what I noticed um, was that Lila was not not wearing a wedding ring, but in that picture, her and Leo look like a couple, don't you think? Yeah, she has her hand on his arm or something like that. Is pointedly her arm is definitely around him. You see his arm around her waist, not her shoulder in a friendly way, but around her waist, and then yeah, and then her front hand is like on on him, like There's on his like on his arm or something. Like just, right? Yeah, like just. Like a couple pose. They were posed like, I thought they looked like a couple. Oh, maybe maybe that's why <laughs> I have some big news. <laughs> I'm, the re- I the reason why I, The reason why I feel we're safe is because meet your new mother. <laughs> right? I almost is that what like you thought? Oh, maybe that's well, the big almost, news. Maybe. Maybe. I felt like test subject A403 might be the other gentleman in the photo, not Leo. They want us to think it's going to be Leo. But I think it might be the other gentleman in the photo. Yeah, and if and if you so in that scene where they show a four zero two, they show all these other mildly, you know, you're not talking about walkers that are falling apart kind of thing. So these are all recently bit walkers. You can yeah. see the bites on their bodies. They're not like. Were you bo- scanning for anybody that looked like Leo? I was. Yes, like that one <laughs> in the back, on, just off center to the right, looked kind of like, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the back of his head. Is it? Oh wait, he's not. He's not bald, right? What? No. Anyway, no, no he's got hair. Hair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I really wrote. But yeah, that, again, again, it's like, oh gosh, it makes me nervous. Like we only just saw um, Joe Holt, who plays Leo Bennett, like today, feature today, finally. You know, like we didn't really get. Right. To, we saw him a little bit on NSF, like, but like seriously, like it's like oh, he's actually really good. I really enjoyed watching Mac today. All the alarm bells were just going off, and I'm like, God, I don't want to see you this know, guy die. We find out Leo Bennett is actually killing citizens for this work, for this research. Or, or what if we find out that Abbott was just like jealous or something? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he got himself bit because, or like somehow, like, oh, bite on his abdomen, right? When they when they zoom in on on a four hundred two, they start it like in his midriff, and we see a bite. Is that a bite? Or yeah, it's some kind. Okay, that's right for sure. Or I don't know. That was it. I didn't see any other wound on him. Yeah, it was almost like bit on purpose. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to point out. It's just like all these walkers, like you could easily confuse them with people in a way because their their mouths were covered with plastic, this plastic guard, so they wouldn't bite any any of the uh, the scientists, let's say, or the the lab technicians. They were all on like slides. Did that not remind you of like microscope slides? The way they were all set up and like on they they look like microscope slides to me. <laughs> the other side of the <laughs> was it the wrong side of a telescope, maybe. Mm. Right? Yeah, don't 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 confuse the walkers. <laughs> objects may be closer than they appear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the wrong end of a telescope could also mean what they're trying to do too. You know. Yeah, sure. with the the idea of them trying to find a cure, it's like no, no, no. You're just making things worse. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. could you could be just living because <laughs> there's no hope. Kirkman said there's no hope. Listen to him. <laughs> they no should cure. be working on something to 
eradicate the walkers on a huge level. You know, yeah, not trying like, to save them. Like a special special walker eliminating thing where it doesn't kill people, it kills walkers. Yeah. Although, like, wouldn't that be it? That in itself almost be half the cure. <laughs> like, not not danger from not being bit by walkers. Oh yeah, I guess. I, it would I don't be a cure in itself. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm well, wrestling. No, we're affected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually wondering. Like, the thing that kills me the most about this is that, like, I'm it, they're flirting so hardcore with this idea of a cure, and it's getting me to think, like, what if they did? Because the Walking Dead universe is ending, or sorry, the Walking Dead is ending, mm-hmm. and we do have these properties that will hold us over for like the next couple of years, let's say. But what if they did find the cure? And what if it ends up being out there? And maybe they, maybe nobody ever gets it. That's maybe the gag, right? Like, they find the cure, <laughs> but, you know, everybody dies and nobody gets it, except for maybe Hope and Iris, let's say, or maybe just Iris, or maybe just Hope. Yeah. But then I'm wondering to myself, but that could be the way to go. Like, if you're going to put this book to rest, and maybe there are a few people, le- pe- people left on this planet, maybe that's the way. I don't know. This is me succumbing to this weird bad thought, like this weird thought that I thought could never happen, would never happen just because of canon, like zombie apocalypse canon. There right. is no cure. That's it. You're gonna, they're going to make you think you, there is. It definitely isn't. It makes things worse. Makes super zombies, maybe. Ah. But th- could, that, could that be something they could try? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't want to think. Hmm. I don't I want don't us to come to this thought. I suppose they could they could try to do it, but I, personally, I, I don't think I would like it. I would, I like the idea of them trying to come up with a cure and then seeing all the reasons why it won't work. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, or they have it and it just there's a condition, bad condition. Ooh. Ooh. Wonder what that would be, but it would be like, oh, but you I, know, it could kill you right away. I think the CRM would most likely lie and say they have a cure and then <laughs> inject people and. <laughs> who knows maybe it kills them I, you, know anyway. what's, you know what's really funny is the idea that maybe the cure like if the CR ever got the cure and, and gave it to its population like we would create anti-vaxxers in real life because of it because like oh like oh yeah like only a tenth of their population survive because of this vaccine <laughs> oh my god I'm never taking a vaccine ever again <laughs> oh yeah there you go Charity says side effects include explosive diarrhea <laughs> I'll t- give me give me it now now <laughs> I'll take explosive diarrhea immediately. Forever. Yeah. For the rest of your life. Oh, wait, for the Okay. Well, that's something I have to wrestle with. No, no, I'll take it now. <laughs> I could live with that. I could live with I could live with that. I wouldn't want to. Could you, could you though? You'd have to you'd have to um take an extra hydration forever. I mean, I'd put all my money behind milk of magnesia you, or something. You'd die of dehydration before anything oh else. God. I'd be walking around with IV fluids like, hey, at least I won't turn into a zombie. Right. <laughs> you bitches. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll give people the middle finger and then oh, I'll be like, oh, all of a sudden. <laughs> Guys. Aww. But what if everyone else has it too? Like, so everybody, the world has explosive diarrhea. But then we try to find a cure for that. You know, like what's what's the cure to explosive diarrhea? Seems like I'm a seems seems like not as much of a challenge to find that out, right? <laughs> like, okay, we can cure explosive diarrhea. Zombie, you know, human reanimation. Tough. <laughs> seems tough. Anyway, right. thank you for joining us on this wonderful explosive diarrhea journey. (laughs) And if you like what you heard, 
head to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you loved what you heard. But if you'd like to write something more, that would, i very much appreciate it. And if you really like what you've heard, first of all, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Share it with the cool kids, like I said last episode. If you really believe in us, and you want to hear some of the unedited content from this episode, of which there is undoubtedly much, head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead, create a coffee.com account, ko-fi.com, and just follow us. Now, you don't have to buy us a coffee, which is less than a cup of coffee in real life, but if you do, you get 30 days of access to unedited episodes galore, and you can be a part of the chat just like Sharon D was today. Sharon D was participating in the chat. She's great. She's awesome. But you could be awesome, too. So, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you soon for the next Fear the Walking Dead episode coverage. Take care. Hope you enjoyed what you heard. Have a good night. Bye! Mm-hmm. I see you going. I'll see that. I'm watching you. Alright. No, no, no. You go first. Alright, bye. Ha, 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 ha.